like to thank everyone for being with us today. As we often say that we live in an area and there's so many great churches around us. It's a privilege that you would choose to be here with us today. Looking down to see if my pants are dirty because this morning when I came in, just getting my things together in the Jeep, doing the pat down, make sure I had everything I needed. I thought, you know, I should lock the doors of the Jeep because <laughs> it's either late or early in the morning, depending on how you look at it. And just don't want anyone to borrow anything out of my Jeep. And so I close the door and I get halfway to the doors of the church. And the one thing when I did the pat down that I didn't feel was my keys. And I go back and I look, flashlight. There they are in the ignition, right where I left them. So if you have the privilege of looking the security team on the cameras, you will see a 50-year-old man going through the side window of a Jeep at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> and it was not pretty. And there will be Advil later, just let me tell you. There is a scripture that I wanted to start with today. I'd like to speak for a couple of minutes about the subject of deception. The scripture is 1 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. I would encourage you today, if you take notes, to write down the scripture references that I put out there. Because I feel like this is a season where we need them. The Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I've had this image all week when I've been studying about basic training. For those of you who are in the military, I'm sure you have fond memories. If you haven't been in the military, when you go through basic training, you are uh, under the command of a drill instructor. And a drill instructor is a very positive person who guides you gently along your path to becoming all that you can be or whatever you are going in for, right? And if you've ever seen how drill instructors behave, they usually scream in people's faces. Their motivation's a bit different. And I was reading something, and it was about a drill instructor who was over this recruit that was doing push-ups, and the drill instructor was screaming, saying, do you know what I call an untrained soldier? And the man can't even answer. You're not even allowed to answer. And he said, I call that person a guaranteed casualty. And I think this in the sense that we are in a spiritual war. It's truth. During 2020, we heard this term, we're all in this together. 
Well, the truth of the matter is the battles that we are facing as a church, the battles that we are facing as God's people, we are in this together. Paul in this scripture is addressing the fact that here we all are walking around down on this earth. We are flesh and bone and we are in a battle. From the very first time in the scriptures that we hear about Satan, it's Genesis 3 when he comes down and you know the story. And the thing about Satan that he does time and time again, even from the beginning, asking that question, did God really say that? It's always been about deception, offering counterfeit when the real is right there within reach. Here's the good news. God has won the war. Victory has been declared. The enemy is headed out of town. When I watch on the news, especially with Ukraine, there are areas where there have been battles and where the Ukrainians have retaken cities that the Russians have had to flee. But as the Russians would leave, there are reports about them laying waste, sabotaging, and leaving traps for when those who come back to claim the land come back. That on its own would preach. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. I walk in this world, but I don't war like this world. I have been called to be holy, meaning separate, to be in God's image. I can't walk a common walk anymore. We must understand in order to fight the war, we can't fight it like the world fights it. I cannot fight a spiritual battle by participating in spiritual cancel culture. I can't fight the war by surrounding myself with a crowd of angry people that are just as angry as me. See, that doesn't win the spiritual war. I can't claim victory because my mom has a strong prayer life. I need to have a strong prayer life for myself. The traps are out there. And I feel like one of the things where God's people get caught up so many times is we tend to think we're invincible. We tend to get prideful thinking that we know so much that we could spot the devil coming a mile away. The traps are out there. No, when I speak to us this morning, it's not to make you paranoid. It's maybe to speak in a spiritual sense to make us have situational awareness. Because as God's people, we need that more than ever. Satan is real and he is determined. He has used the same tricks since the beginning of time. Deception, temptation, accusation. He may mix up the order. He may use one at a time or he may throw all three at you, but he doesn't have any new game. Today, I wanted to focus on deception, and here is a definition. To mislead by giving a distorted impression or a false sense of what is real. Again, where do we mess up as Christians? Because we think the devil is going to walk up. Now, for those of you who are older, you may know what I'm talking about. For those of you who are younger, ask an older person after church. But we tend to think of it like Satan's going to walk up like the villain in an after-school special, Right? Like he's going to be this gravelly voiced villain and he's going to be like, my name is Lou Cipher and I'm here to lead you down the wrong path. That's not how it works. He deceives. He deceives. And how's he going to do it? Three ways I'm going to talk about. The first one, there is a world system. 
There is a world system. It says in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. Another version of that says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. You know, and God's people are often like, I am not influenced by this world. Give me a break. I have heard some of you using the word cringe, and you are too old to be using that word cringe. I've heard some of you saying no cap. I've seen some of you when you're dressed up say, check out my drip. I've heard it. I've heard this. Well, here's a couple that you can use later if you want to seem hip and cool. A new one is Riz. If you have Riz, that's like shorthand for charisma. Have charisma. So use that later. Really, do that. It'll blow someone's mind that you know that. A situationship, when, you know, people don't know why they're dating and they just kind of are a situationship. And the last one, which I had to look up, it's giving. So usually you say that like it's giving, it's given 80s. So kind of like the feel that it gives you, it's giving, and you can put anything after that. So just use that at your own discretion, and young people will make fun of you later. But see, we conform to that. You notice that, right? The world's values are not God's values. The world's priorities are not God's priorities. Colossians 3.2 tells me to set my affections on things above, not on the things on this earth. Here is an outdoor tip for hiking. Do not follow people who are lost. Here is a tip for spiritual warfare. Do not follow people who are lost. The Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know what I picture with the renewing your mind? Give me that first one. The DMV. I picture this. Give me, yeah, how many of you love this picture? I've been like number 397 in a line like this. A renewing of your mind. Do you know what I picture? When your license expires and you go into the DMV, do you know how it works? You take your old license and you give it to them. They keep your old license. They, by the authority that they have, issue you a new license. It's the same thing when it comes to renewing your mind. You don't get the old things back. Renew it. Let God give you the new thing and keep the new thing. Because I'm telling you what, my 16-year-old license looks a lot different than mine now. There's an old man on mine now, and I don't know what's happened. Worldly patterns, they can creep into the church. There can be unhealthy church patterns, right? We can go on feelings. If it doesn't make me feel good, then I'm going to cancel it. Even if it's with church, I'm going to cancel that. Knowledge right? The worldly pattern. Like there are people that you will meet. And I'm really weird about like any title that I may or may not have. I just, I don't like that. I won't lead with it. But we're in a time where we can approach God with more knowledge about him rather than a heart melting experience with him. Knowledge. The third one is faith. We can, and you say, well, the world doesn't have faith. Oh, let me tell you. We can mirror it so much because we can enter situations when it comes to God that we have such a specific expectation and telling an almighty God how it should be done that when he doesn't do it our way, we will dismiss him entirely. Worldly pattern. Hebrews 4, 14. Let us then hold firmly to the faith that we profess. 
let us then. I don't know what your then moment is. You may have hit a bump in the road and it's your then, but if you ever professed it, profess it now. If you ever believed it, believe it now. When I war according to God's word, he grants me the ability to prove that scripture says, Romans 12, 2. Another version says to be able to test and approve his will. I want to know God's will. I want to know God's will. I want to know that I'm walking in his will because his will is always good. It's always acceptable. It's always perfect. We live in a negative world that is getting worse by the day that seems like every man for himself. I'm telling you, when you walk in a way that is seeking God's will, you're going to stand out. You will even stand out in a church crowd. And what I want to do, I want to stand out for God in a way, almost like when Marty McFly went back to 1955 and he had his puffy vest on in the soda shop and nobody knew what to make of him. I want to have that kind of faith. When I walk in, people are like, that guy is weird. I don't know what's going on. That is where I want to be with Jesus. Second, spirits of deception. First Timothy 4.1 says, now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. They'll come to the point where they will speak lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now notice that it says that. This is not talking about people who don't believe in Jesus. They will depart from the faith. So it means people who were in the faith will walk away from it because they get deceived. It's aimed at the church. Satan runs two things. He runs the whisper game, always chirping, runs the whisper game. But he also runs a game where he will raise people up and sprinkle just enough scripture on whatever they're trying to sell that people won't even know what to make of it. And what's crazy is the people that are doing it half the time are just as deceived as the people who are being deceived by them. Good Lord. I, the other night, I'm turning through. I'm trying to find Golden Girls, and I'm going through the stations. And there's like 15 home shopping networks, and then I come upon like TV preachers, and you got some that are selling miracle water and a miracle painting and a miracle this and a miracle that. I don't want miracle water or miracle this. I want Jesus Christ. That's what I want. Satan, his job is to seed into the world the deception because as people get deceived, they'll cultivate it for him. Not only is that deception adopted into the world, it becomes fiercely defended. Have you ever noticed that? Here's an example. True story. So a couple of months ago, and I'm sure you may have heard about it, you have a musician on a national stage who dresses up like they think the devil was dancing in some kind of ritual thing, right? Singing a song called Unholy. And you have major networks saying, we're here to worship. And here's what's crazy is the world defends it. And not just the world, but you have people who would formerly attend church who come to the rescue and they're like, oh, look at the church. They're big mad. There's another term. They're big mad right now because, you know, what's going on? Is it not crazy? I mean, literally, the devil could come out on the stage and people would be like, that's not the devil. 
He could show up and be like, here I am. He'd be like, that's not him. That is how deception works in the age that we live. Ephesians 2, 2. See, before we knew Jesus, there was a time in the past where we walked according to the course of this world. When you become a Christian, there is something about things in the world that will make your skin crawl, that you will just know that there is evil around. You're like, I gotta get out of here. This is not a place where I need to be walking. Again, this is not an after-school special. And one of the greatest ways the devil has deceived is with the message, be happy. Whatever you do, be happy. Here's the thing with the world. When I immerse myself in the world, I don't question the world. And here's the thing with the word. When I immerse myself in the word, I don't question the word. I'm going to pick the word every single time. I accept what I allow to encircle me. Elisha in 2 Kings 6.17, praying for that servant to be able to see what he saw. All of the distraction that the devil is throwing, my God is here and my God is around me. There is protection and there is a plan. God, open our eyes to see. The third thing that the devil will use is self-deception. Good Lord. If there was an MVP list that the devil was making up of people that have deceived me in my life, you know who would be top of the MVP list? It would be me. It would be me. I need to stop that. I need to stop giving him a foothold. I need to stop doing a side hustle here for the devil. James 1.22 says that we deceive ourselves when we hear the word and we don't do what we hear. James 1.26 says we deceive ourselves when we call ourselves godly, but we don't bridle our tongue. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says we deceive ourselves when we think the company that we run with doesn't have an influence on us. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says we deceive ourselves when we think that we can live like the devil and still be a child of God. Galatians 6, 7 says we deceive ourselves when we think we can sow without reaping the inevitable harvest of what we sow. Everything I need to know about Satan, I learned from John 10, 10, that he is a thief, that he comes to only steal, to kill, and destroy. And he doesn't care what order he does it in. He's coming for it all. The picture in my mind that I can't help but think is of D-Day. In a spiritual sense, here's what I'm thinking. Before I go into that, let me read that scripture again, though, that I started with. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds to cast down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Imagine with this, here's how it worked on D-Day. In order for Europe to be liberated, the Allies had to have a beachhead. The only way that it would have worked. There were so many landing craft that day. But the truth is, there was one that reached the beach first. How does the devil get in? 
one lie at a time. And what's wild is when that boat got to the beach, there were obstacles, there were mines, there was gunfire, there were cliffs. The enemy was waiting for them to come. But one small lie, and that's the foot in the door for the devil. One boat on the beach, and behind it, there was another, and there was another, and there was another. It was an all-out assault, and spiritually, this is the same way that it happens. Deception to be misled, a distorted impression. Once the enemy makes a landing, he will expand the operation every single time. Compromise will tell you it's only about the beach. You know, there's some people that would say, well, there's acceptable losses in a spiritual war. No, there are not. I won't give him an inch of ground. There is no acceptable loss. He's going to get in and he's going to take and he's going to keep taking. Once you let him on the shore, he will dig in quickly. And, you know, then you don't get a say how much he's going to steal, how he's going to kill, or how many things he's going to destroy. The crazy thing is that you will find plenty of people, even believers, that will downplay the invasion. When it comes to spiritual warfare, the way that it begins is not the way that it's going to end. What do I mean by that? Oh, we can look at it in all different ways. You have a soul that is broken who comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ who will march into heaven into the arms of their Savior. See, it didn't end the way that it began. But when it comes to the devil, it always starts subtle. And he wants to take us out in any way that he can. It doesn't end the way it began. In the mid-50s, there was a movement. It began in a Pentecostal movement. It was a group of people, and once they came together, they started getting involved in social issues. Then they started getting involved in charity. Did you hear that? Social issues. Great. Charity. Great. Then they became known in the political world even. Started getting influential. Fast forward to November of 1978, and that same group of people moved to Guyana, and under Jim Jones, over 900 people drank Kool-Aid that had been laced with cyanide. Over 300 children passed away during that. They began by seeking something, but it didn't end the way that it began. I say that because we need to be on our guard, in our word, knowing what we're following, knowing who we're listening to, and knowing what God has said about us. That is a truth. Satan hasn't changed since the Garden of Eden. If anything, he's only gotten bolder because he has a list of casualties he can point to at times. The goal with Eve, it wasn't just to introduce something new into her diet so she'd get an upset belly. It was to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what it was about. I said last week, and I'll say it again, God does not send where he does not equip. And as I was reading, I was reminded of something, and so I had to look it up to see if I remembered it the right way. Batman. Because that's very spiritual, right? The Dark Knight Rises, there's a scene in The Dark Knight Rises where Christian Bale, who plays Bruce Wayne, is going to go on a very dangerous mission. And so he goes to Wayne Enterprises to the head person there, Morgan Freeman. 
And he's explaining what's going to go on. And they go in a secret elevator and they go down into this armory area. And there's this case that's open and it's this new bat suit. And Morgan Freeman says, it's hardened Kevlar plates over titanium dipped triweave fibers for flexibility. You're going to be lighter, faster, more agile. And as he's speaking, Bruce Wayne, he takes one of these wrist pieces out of the case and he presses a button. And as he presses a button, these blades fly out of it and go past his head and into the wall. And at this point, Morgan Freeman says, perhaps you should read the instructions first. In a spiritual sense, be sure you're reading the instructions before you go charging into something because it's only through the power of God that I am protected from the wiles of the enemy. When I go on my own, I'm asking for trouble. In closing, what's in God's armory? 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells me that God gives us a power to take every thought captive. John 17, 17 tells me that where there is truth, there is sanctification and his word is truth. John 8, 32 tells me that I will know the truth and the truth will set me free. And then there's this one. And I laugh every time I read it because maybe I'm just 10 years old. Ephesians 6, 14, to gird your loins with truth. Man, I had to look this up. And you know where I got the information? Not from a Bible dictionary, but from a spot. It was called Manly Know-How Skills, the visual guide. And I couldn't help when I, I'll tell you the, the definition in a minute. But you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me when I was young, growing up in Leroy. And in Leroy, the original villagers, or whatever you want to call the people who had been there forever, like, they wore jeans all year. Their legs never saw sunlight, but come around June, you know what they would do? They would get out the scissors and they'd cut the legs off their jeans and it was time to get the work done. It was crazy. It was white legs, but it was crazy. And when I read about this, girding your loins, in Bible times, they wore long flowing robes. This was quite practical for casual things that they would do. But when it came time to do hard work and it came time to battle, what they would do is they would take that rope and they would pull it up and they would tie it in a knot so it was almost like shorts. And what I can't help but think is the fact that when they did that, that the enemy was put on notice. Because when you saw a guy coming bare-legged with his robe on, you knew he was either there to do hard work or he was going to take somebody out. And I feel like in a spiritual sense, it's time for us to get about God's business like we never have been before. I believe that it's time for us when the enemy sees us that he knows it's business because we're ready to throw down for Jesus Christ. If you'll stand. When it comes to the fight, when it comes to spiritual warfare, there's no shortcut. Do the work. As a church, we only go forward as family together. And I'm telling you, there is something that has been happening. There is a place of momentum that we're about to cross over, and once that happens, 
I'll probably just stand here and cry. But each of us needs to be standing before our God and saying, I am sold out to you. There is a quote and it says, you cannot rush greatness. It's built brick by brick so that the foundation is able to withstand the storm. Some of you, your foundation, you may feel like is just three or four bricks, but you put them down in faithfulness. Keep building. My advice to you as a pastor, get in the word. Read the word, study the word, listen to the word, memorize the word, apply the word, walk in the word. You may say, I don't even know how to do that. I just gave you 17 passages in the past couple of minutes that you can focus on. It's funny how we can speak about God's word, but when we begin to read it, how God's word speaks. Fill your mind with God truth. I'm going to pray right now. You bow your heads. Lord, what an honor it has been today to experience what you do, to feel your love in such a way. And Lord, I pray over every person in this church family, God. May the enemy not get a foot in the door. for the ground that was taken today and for the seasons that were ushered in. We thank you. And Father, I pray your richest blessing on everyone here. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.